Okay, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 37. <clears throat> Genesis 37. And let's just read from verse 12. Genesis 37, verse 12, it says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, do not their brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send uh, thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. Let's open with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this most wonderful day. We thank you that we can come and spend time together around your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to come with hearts prepared this morning to receive your word. We pray that you would teach us, uh, instruct us, refresh us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower me now as your servant. You would give me wisdom and guide us to preach. Uh, that, Lord, it would be your words, it would be your thoughts this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would be honoured and glorified in everything we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, we've been looking at Genesis chapter 37 over the last uh, few weeks. And we've been introduced to young Joseph as a 17-year-old. <clears throat> 17 and we've already seen a few things about him. We've seen his godly character revealed as he spoke out against his brother's wickedness and sin there in verse 2. Uh, we've seen him favoured by his father and we talked about the, the reasons behind that. In particular, it was because of his godly wisdom, because he feared the Lord. That's why he was favoured by his father. And of course, because he was favoured, his father gave him the coat of many colours, that long-sleeved, long-hemmed coat, which signified to the family that Joseph was to receive the birthrights. And then, of course, as we saw, uh, sorry, last week, we saw that you know, these two things had uh, antagonised his brothers. You know, his brothers hated him, and it was just increasing uh, that, that hatred towards him. They were getting more and more angry with him, and it got to the point where they couldn't speak peaceably under him. It says at the end of verse 4 there, and we talked about how that idea of speak peaceably, it's they couldn't even say hello, they couldn't even say peace be to thee. <clears throat> so this hatred was uh, only getting worse, and then of course it was intensified, as we saw last week, as Joseph shared with them the dreams that God had give him, given him. Uh, these dreams which were a prophetic revelation of what was to come. And he shared them with his, his family, his brothers, and they hated him even more. They hated him because of the implications of the dreams. I mean, the dreams, uh, the implication of the dreams was that they were going to serve him one day, that he would rule over them. Let's just read verse 8. It says, And his brethren said, on, said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more, for his dreams and for his words. And so, you know, telling them his dreams, this revelation from God only intensified their hatred because they couldn't stand the fact that one day they would serve him or they would acknowledge his authority. And so they hated him even more. And of course, we saw in verse 11, they also envied him. It says, and his brethren envied him. They envied him. They envied the fact that God had chosen him. They envied the fact that God had spoken to him and, and not to them. And so his brothers reacted to the dreams with envy, with hatred, and it was really just, it was boiling now, this hatred towards Joseph. 
I mean, you know, these dreams were not primarily for their benefit, and we, we talked about this last week. They were not primarily for his brother's or his family's benefit. The dreams were given to Joseph, and they were given to him to prepare him for what now lay ahead in his life. You know, Joseph was now about to enter a very difficult time in his life, 20-odd years of a difficult time, time of great trials, great affliction, where his faith and his trust in God would be greatly tested. And throughout all those years, these dreams would serve to be a foundation, wouldn't they? A foundation of what God had said to him, God revealed to him something that was yet future, and it was a foundation reminding him that God had a purpose, God had a plan. Now we see that the rest of the chapter, verse 12 and onwards, records how this affliction begins, this difficult time in his life. And it begins, of course, at the hands of his brothers. And it all comes about because Joseph is sent by his father on a mission to see his brothers. <clears throat> and it's that mission I want us to consider this morning. But notice firstly here the reason for the mission. The reason for the mission. Let's just read from verse 12. It says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. <clears throat> and he said to him, Go, I pray thee, and see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Now in verse 12 we learn that <clears throat> sometime seemingly soon after Joseph has shared these dreams with the family, sometime soon after this, his ten older brothers have now left with the flocks. They've left and they've decided to travel north to Shechem. And that's what we see there in verse 12. It says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. In verse 14, it tells us that at this time the family is dwelling near Hebron. At verse 14 it says, And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, See whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring the word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron and he came to Shechem. So at this time the family is actually dwelling in the region of Hebron. That's where they're now living. And so the, the brothers take the herd, take the flocks and they head up to Shechem. And that's about 95 kilometers away. Almost 100 kilometers they travel. So this is quite a long distance to travel with the flocks in, in tow, isn't it? Yeah, There's a long distance to travel. And the scriptures don't really tell us exactly why the brothers do this. I mean, verse 12 says they went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. But the reality is that there was plenty of pasture near Hebron. There was no real reason for them to travel back up to Shechem. For some reason, they've traveled far from home, and they've traveled back to a place where they previously dwelt, haven't they? Go back to Genesis chapter 33 with me. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. Genesis 33, verse uh, 18. <clears throat> it says, And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the, the land of Canaan, when he came from Pandanaram and pitched his tent before the city. And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. And he erected there an altar and called it. El Elihi Israel. And so remember, we, we saw this. When they first arrived in the land, this is one of the places that they settled near 
Shechem. They bought this parcel of land. Jacob bought a parcel of land. He erected an altar there unto the Lord. And they dwelt in that place for several years. Okay, in the region around Shechem, close by. And they dwelt there for several years until, of course, their sin forced them to move, forced them to leave the region. And now, for some reason, they've decided they're going to return to this region. They're going to return back there, this place that they had fled from. And it's also interesting that they've returned without Joseph. They've returned without Joseph. And this makes the situation even stranger because Joseph was appointed by his father as shepherd over the flock. You go back to chapter 37, verse 2. Remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Genesis 37, verse 2, it says, These are the generations of Jacob. Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. Now that was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought on his father the evil report. We talked about the fact that statement there was feeding the flock. Talks about him being shepherd over the flock. He was shepherd over the flock. And so he was at least shepherd over part of the flock. And yet his ten brothers have taken the flock. Now they've left, they've gone and left Joseph behind. And the fact that they've left without Joseph suggests to us that they've perhaps left very swiftly and they've left without their father's knowledge and perhaps it's a reaction to hearing Joseph's dreams. I mean that seems to be the way it flows isn't it, in the passage. They've heard his dreams, they've got angry at it all and they've left. Morris writes this, it is doubtful that Jacob would have agreed to this. Possibly they left without asking him they may have simply left word to be conveyed to him after they were gone. So it seems likely that they didn't ask their father or tell their father doing this. They just left, taking the flocks, and they've sent word to him to tell him what they've done. And it seems that the dreams were the final straw, don't they? I mean, as you read through passage chapter 37 here, it seems that Joseph's dreams were the final straw. And that now in, in their anger, the brothers have traveled far from home, They've traveled far from Joseph, far from his dreams, far from their father in his control. And in a sense, you know, they've left in a half, haven't they? Now they've left in a half, they've packed up everything and they've just taken off. Filled with anger and hatred. You know, one thing that is clear is that they're where they shouldn't be. They're in a place they should not have been at this time. You see, who was the one who told them to leave Shechem? God. God was the one that told them to get out of there. If you go back to chapter 35 with me. <clears throat> chapter 35, verse 1, it says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Now, of course, this is immediately after the situation in the region of Shechem. And God is the one who says, Arise, go up to Bethel. And we saw that Bethel was south, but it was up in the hills. God was the one who commanded them to leave that region and to head south to Bethel and then to continue south down to Hebron. And so for them to now return so soon back north, and it is soon, it's within a year, maybe two, it's not that long since all these things happened. For them to now return so soon back north was surely not God's will was surely not where God wanted them to be. And so they're in a region where God had commanded them to leave. And as time now passes, Jacob receives no news from them. 
Now he learns that that's where they've gone, but he hears nothing more. He doesn't receive any news as to how they're going, as to their, their safety or the situation with the herd. And eventually, Jacob becomes concerned enough that he decides to send someone to see how the brothers are faring. And so in verse 14, we see that there are two reasons given for this mission. Verse 14 says, And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, and see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. There's two reasons for the mission here. The first is he wants to see whether it be well with thy brethren, well with the brothers. You see, Jacob, after hearing no news from them, rightly becomes concerned for their welfare, doesn't he? Okay? He's concerned for their welfare. And it's, it's both their physical health and also their spiritual health. There's two things here that are a concern to him. Their physical health is concerned because they're back in the region of Shechem, a region where they had committed mass murder and they were infamous, weren't they? Go back with me to Genesis 34 and verse 30. We see how the, the nations felt towards them. Genesis 34, verse 30. <clears throat> it says, And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, Ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me. And I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Their actions had caused them to stink among the nations. The surrounding nations hated them. Hated them because of what they'd done. And indeed it was only by God's grace and protection they even got out of there with their lives. Remember that? Chapter 35 verse 5. It says, And they journeyed, and, they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. It's only by God's grace. God made sure that the other nations didn't pursue after them as they fled south from Shechem. And so God had protected them as they left. But the question that was surely on Jacob's mind now is, would God protect them returning there where he told them to leave? You know, he's concerned for the physical safety of his sons. You know, God, is God going to protect them now that they're back there at Shechem? And so he's rightly concerned. But he's also concerned about their spiritual health, isn't he? You know, Jacob knew that his sons got up to no good when they were in the field. Verse 2 of chapter 37. We've read it before. These are the generation of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil reports. Jacob knew well that when his sons were in the field, they got up to no good. He got up to no good. Experience told him that they were carnally minded. And now they're so far from home, he must have been concerned. Like any father, he must have been concerned, what are his sons getting up to? So far away, what are they doing up at Shechem? The commentator Butler wrote this, going back to Shechem for pasture, did not speak well of the brothers. He revealed their evil affection, evil hearts, love, evil habits. You see, the point is, going back to Shechem does not speak any good about the brothers at all. It tells us that they're not where God wants them to be, and they're there for the wrong reasons, and there's a deep possibility they're involved in great sin. And their father is concerned. 
And so he's concerned for their well-being, both physical and spiritual. We also see from verse 14 that he's concerned for the well-being of the flock too, isn't he? He says in verse 14 there, And he said to, them, go, said to him, sorry, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks. He's also concerned for his herd, isn't he? Now, Jacob, like any herdsman, he's concerned for his livestock. He's concerned for their, their safety. And indeed, it was his responsibility to know the state of his herd. And Proverbs 27 actually declares that truth. Let's just quickly go and read it. Just a bit of a side verse, if you like. Proverbs 27. <clears throat> Proverbs 27 and verse 23. It says, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. See, Proverbs 27 actually states this truth, declares this truth. It was his responsibility to know the state of his herds, the state of his flock. And so here we have Jacob. He has two very good reasons, doesn't he? Two very good reasons to send someone to check up on his sons. He's concerned as a loving father for their well-being, and he's concerned as a herdsman for his flock. But the question is, why does he send Joseph? That's the question, isn't it? Why send Joseph? Joseph, and that's our second point of this morning. We see the choice for the mission. The choice for the mission. Look in verse 13 there. It says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. Verse 13, we see that it's Joseph Jacob calls. It's Joseph that he decides to give this mission to, it's Joseph he sends to check up on his brothers and on the state of the herd. And this is a decision, a choice that has been questioned and perhaps rightly by many. You know, was it wise for Jacob to send young Joseph, remember he's 17, was it wise to send young Joseph alone on such a long, perilous journey? I mean, it's almost 100 kilometers away. Was it wise to send Joseph alone on such a perilous journey? Was it wise to send Joseph to his brothers knowing how much they hated him? I mean, surely Jacob had recognized the hatred that they felt towards Joseph. Surely he'd recognized it. I mean, like any father, he could see the way that his children treated each other. He could see that his older, older sons were treating Joseph with you know, hatred and disdain. They were cold, they were indifferent towards him. As we saw in verse 4, they could not speak peaceably unto him. They couldn't even say, peace be thee, good day. Surely Jacob had noticed that. He had seen the way they were treating him. As we saw last week, this was probably part of the reason that he rebuked Joseph for the way he revealed the dream in verse 10. <clears throat> Genesis 37 verse 10, it says, And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him. And said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Talked about last week, but possibly part of the reason why he rebukes Joseph here for the way he reveals the dream is because he was so bold, so zealous in revealing it that Jacob could see he was offending the family. He could see that the family was upset by this. You can see there was a problem boiling under the surface. And so knowing these things, knowing it's a dangerous journey, knowing that the brothers don't like Joseph, 
they hate him, they have disdain towards him, why send Joseph? Surely it would have been better to send one of the servants. You know, the answer as to why he chooses Joseph is found in verse 2, isn't it? And we've already read it before. But verse 2 gives us the answer. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. That's the reason he sends Joseph. You see, Joseph had already demonstrated to his father that he could be trusted, hadn't he? He'd already demonstrated time and time again that he could be trusted to get the job done. He'd, he'd shown trustworthy, godly character. And this is what Jacob wanted right now, isn't it? Jacob wanted someone he could trust. He wanted someone to go up there to see what the brothers were doing, see the state of the herd, and come back and bring a true and honest report. Bring home the evil report if necessary. He wanted an honest report. And he knew he could rely upon Joseph to give him that. But not only that, there's also a sense in which it was Joseph's responsibility, wasn't it? Remember verse 3? It says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Remember, the coat of many colors symbolized the fact that he was chosen for the birthrights. And being the one given the birthright, as such, it was his responsibility. One day it would be his responsibility to oversee the whole family. Butler writes this, This duty of checking up on the family and the flocks fit the coat Joseph was given by Jacob. Joseph had been chosen by his father as the one to oversee the family. He was the heir apparent to rule the household. Sending Joseph to check up on the family and flocks was good training for Joseph for his eventual leadership in the family. So he had every reason to send Joseph. He's the trustworthy one. He's the one he's given the coat of many colors, the one that you know, is, is going to be the, over, over the family. He's the one given the birthrights. So it makes sense that he chooses him. You see, the point is, Jake, Joseph had already, by his character, demonstrated his father could trust him. Time and time again. And therefore, he trusted him before anyone else with this mission of importance. And that's what it is. It's a mission of importance, isn't it? Go and see how your brothers are, both physically and spiritually, and see the state of the flock. You know, we also could say here that the reason why he's chosen is because it was God's will, couldn't we? Now, God wanted Joseph to be sent. God had a plan for Joseph, and it begins with this journey, doesn't it? And so this was all part of God's plan for Joseph's life. And that brings us now thirdly this morning to the acceptance of the mission. The acceptance of the mission. Let's just go back to chapter 37 there. And just read with me verse 13. It says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. Finally this morning we come to Joseph. And we see Joseph's response to his father, his acceptance and his obedience to his father's mission. And in Joseph's response here this morning, we see a, a wonderful example for us as believers to follow, don't we not? An example for us to follow when it comes to our heavenly father's will for our lives. 
You see, we see first of all here that Joseph's response, sorry, Joseph's response was one of submission. It was one of submission, wasn't it? At the end of verse 13 there it says, And he said unto him, Here am I. It's a wonderful response, isn't it? When Jacob calls Joseph before him, his immediate response to his father is, Here am I. It's a wonderful response. It's a response that demonstrates to us Joseph's humility. This is one of the things that Joseph gets accused of all the time, pride. But what you see here is humility. We see the very opposite of pride. You see, Joseph had not become puffed up with pride after receiving the coat of many colors, or that long sleeve coat as we talked about. He had not become puffed up with pride at receiving that position of the birthrights. Rather, we see Joseph here come before his father and he responds with humility. He says, here am I. It's an answer that indicates to us his willingness to submit himself completely to his father's will. He's a servant, isn't he? He's a willing servant ready to obey. And you know, this is the response that we are to have, is it not, to the will of God. To the call of God upon our lives. Submission. Submission. That's where, that's where our response needs to start. Submission to him. You now, Joseph's response here reminds us of Isaiah, does it not? Isaiah's response to the call of God in Isaiah chapter 6. Let's turn over there. We know this verse well. Isaiah 6 and verse 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Isaiah's response was the same. When the Lord called out and said, who shall we send? Isaiah responded with humility. He humbled himself and he submitted to God's will. He said, here am I, Lord, send me. It was complete surrender. And beloved, that is to be our response as well as believers. That is to be our response to the will of God, the call of God upon our lives. Our first response needs to be, here am I, Lord, send me. Humble submission to our Heavenly Father's will. We see secondly here that Joseph's response was one of sacrifice. It was one of sacrifice. Go back to chapter 37 with me. <clears throat> Verse 14. It says, And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. Joseph's response was one of sacrifice. You see, for Joseph to now obey his father's command, he was going to have to make some sacrifices, wasn't he? You know, the mission that his father was giving him required him to leave his comfortable surroundings, his comfortable home here at Hebron. It required him to leave and to set out and travel 95 kilometers to the north on his own, a dangerous journey. And this was, a, this was a journey that was going to take him at least two days to complete, possibly more. And remember, in those days, travel was not as easy as it is today. So this is a hard, difficult journey. going to take a few days to get there. This is a mission that's going to require Joseph to give up time. It's going to require his efforts. And it's going to cause Joseph inconvenience too, isn't it? It's going to cause him inconvenience. 
But you notice that there's no hesitancy here from Joseph. There's no hesitancy. He doesn't, you know, balk at what his father's asking him to do. He is willing to sacrifice the comfort, the pleasures of home, his time. He's willing to give everything to go and now perform the service required by his father. You know, once again, we see an example for us to follow, don't we? You see, responding to the will of God, the, the call of God upon our lives, not only requires humble submission, here am I, but it also requires a willingness to sacrifice, doesn't it? To sacrifice for Him. In the New Testament, we see this when Christ is speaking about discipleship. Just go to Matthew 16 with me. A couple of passages we know well. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 24, says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Christ says that if we're going to follow after him, we're going to truly serve him, we need to take up our cross and follow him. We're willing to give all Luke chapter 14 as well, uh, same sort of idea, let's turn over there, Luke 14. <clears throat> sort of expounds upon that idea of taking up the cross a little bit more. Luke 14, verse 26. Luke 14, verse 26, it says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. You see, discipleship, serving the Lord, obeying His will for our lives, following Him, demands our time, doesn't it? It demands our ability, it demands our talents, our all. And serving God may mean giving up comforts. It may mean giving up friends, it may even mean giving up family, as Christ talks about here in Luke 14. But you see, because we love him, we ought to be willing to make any sacrifice for the Lord, shouldn't we? Because we love the Lord, we ought to be willing to make any sacrifice for Him to obey His will. You know, it's perhaps at this requirement that many turn away from obeying the call of God. This is the one that people balk at the most, sacrifice. They fear what the Lord will ask them to give up, what the Lord will ask them to go without in order to serve Him. But beloved, no sacrifice is greater than the one that he made for us. No sacrifice is greater than the one that the Lord Jesus Christ made for us there on the cross. When he left heaven's glory, he took the form of a servant and he humbly gave his life for you and for me so we might be saved. That is the greatest sacrifice of all. And knowing that, we ought to be willing to give up anything to serve him. Give ourselves fully as a living sacrifice under him. Finally here we see that Joseph was steadfast in his response. Let's go back to chapter 37 there. <clears throat> chapter 37 at the end of verse 14. It says, So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him and behold he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, 
where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Here we see Joseph's resolve. His resolve to complete the mission that his father had given him. See, at the end of verse 14, we're told that he now, at the instruction of his father, he's submitted and he's willing to make that sacrifice. Now he steps out and he goes and does what his father's asked. He leaves Hebron. He travels 95 kilometers to the north up to Shechem. But, you know, upon arrival, he finds that his brothers are not there. You know, he goes all that way, makes that hard, difficult journey. He goes all the way up to Shechem. He gets there and his brothers aren't there. And, you know, this was Joseph's opportunity to turn back, wasn't it? This was his opportunity to turn back. He could have reasoned, I've done enough. Now, oh, I've obeyed Dad. He said, go up to Shechem, look for my brethren. I've looked, can't find them, going home. He could have reasoned he'd done enough. He could have reasoned that turning around and going home, he would have been justified to do so. But we don't see that from Joseph, do we? We don't see him giving up. We don't see him turning around. We don't see him quitting at this obstacle. Instead, we see him searching the field. We see him wandering around looking for his brothers, looking to find his brothers until he is able to complete the mission his father told him. You see, his father said not only to find his brothers and find out what they're doing, but then to come home with a report. Joseph is fully committed to doing that. And so verse 15, we see him wandering the field, and this is probably the field that his father had purchased there near Shechem. Okay, it says in verse 15, And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, Where, What seekest thou? Most likely he's gone to that field, the place that they lived, where they built the altar. He's gone there, and he's looking for the brethren. That's the logical place to find them. And he's wandering around this field, trying to, to ascertain where they've gone. And as he's wandering in the field, a man sees him and asks him, what's he looking for? And Joseph responds by saying, I'm looking for my brethren. Do you know where they've gone? And he learns that they've traveled further north to Dothan. Look there in verse 16. It says, and he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, they had departed hence. For I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. He learns that they've gone up to Dothan. Now, Dothan was another 30 kilometers away. He's already traveled 95 kilometers up to Shechem, and now he learns his brothers are further north again at Dothan, 30 kilometers further away. It's another day's journey at least. Do we see Joseph get upset, throw in the towel, turn around, go home? No, once again, we see Joseph set out on this journey because his father has given him a mission and he's going to complete it and he sets out and he completes these final 30 kilometers until he gets to Dothan and he finds his brothers. In verse 13, 17 there we see that and it says, And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. In due time Joseph arrives there and he finds his brothers exactly as his father told him to do. So he can learn what's happened and he can bring it home to his father. You see, the point is Joseph was steadfast, wasn't he? He was resolved that he was going to finish the mission set by his father. No matter what obstacles lay before him, he wasn't going to turn around. He wasn't going to give up. He was going to keep pressing on no matter how hard it was. 
We see some trustworthiness in Joseph, don't we? Some godly character, some resolve, some steadfastness. Now, beloved, once more we see an example for us as believers to follow. You see, doing the will of God, obeying the, the call of God upon our lives, not only requires submission and sacrifice, but it requires that we be steadfast. That we be steadfast. That we be resolved to be faithful and finish the work. To not quit, not, not give up when there's obstacles in our way, when times become tough, but we keep trusting God and we keep pressing forward. 1 Corinthians 4, we know the verse, but let's turn over there as we finish up this morning. 1 Corinthians 4. First Corinthians 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. This is what the law requires of us, isn't it? Faithfulness. That we be steadfast. And we keep pressing on, serving him. Remain steadfast in the faith. Remain steadfast in our calling. And beloved, the question for us this morning is, how have we responded to the call of our Heavenly Father upon our lives? You know, have we responded with humble submission? Here am I, Lord. Have we responded with a willingness to sacrifice all for Him? I trust that we have. And therefore, let us now remain steadfast, faithful, until our work here on earth is done. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you once again for the example that Joseph is unto us. Lord, this, this young man who was submitted, he was willing to sacrifice, and he was steadfast in his resolve to finish the mission his father gave him. And Lord, it's an example unto each of us of how we should respond to your will, your call upon our lives. Lord, may you work in our hearts this morning. May you help us to indeed be steadfast in, in your calling, steadfast in obeying you. And may you bless now as we close in Jesus' name. Amen.